Welcome to another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast, a production of the Criminal Law Department at the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School in Charlottesville, Virginia. Every two weeks, we release a new episode. Today, we're going to have a conversation about a recent opinion from the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. Please note that these episodes may contain facts and circumstances surrounding criminal trials. Listener discretion is advised. All rise. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. The Honorable United States Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces is now open and in session. God save the United States of America and this honorable Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of CAF Chats. I am Major Josh Mickelson, here today with... Major Dustin Morgan. Dustin, welcome to CAF Chats, first time. So Dustin's taking over. I'm going to be a professor here at Tajaglix this coming year, and we're excited to have him. I'm excited to be here. Great. So today, Dustin, let's talk a little bit about CAF's opinion in the United States versus Private First Class Eric Vargas. You actually have a kind of a personal connection to this case, correct? Yeah, I do. Um, so prior to being here at the graduate course, I was an appellate attorney at Government Appellate Division, um, and I specifically handled Article 62 appeals while I was there. So I actually worked this case from its inception. I got the call when the case was dismissed and submitted the brief to ACCA and was still at uh, Government Appellate Division when the opinion was decided there. Awesome. So should help color the facts a little bit more than what we usually get when we read these paper cases at this end? I mean, I think I'm... Uh, pretty useful with the facts for this case. Awesome. Well, let's let's jump in. Dustin, what would you say at its very core this case is about? So this case at its core is about what the proper standard of review is, uh, what the proper standard that the military judge should use when viewing whether or not to dismiss a case with prejudice under RCM 701G3D and what is just under the circumstances. And 701 is one of our discovery rules, correct? Yeah, it's one of the most basic and probably the most important discovery rules. My understanding is this case comes from confusion created from the Stilato case, the CAF decision from a few years ago, and then what 701 actually says for proper remedies. Is that correct? Right. This case does a lot to clarify what the actual standard is, and and it really simplifies it for military judges. Okay, awesome. Well, let's get into it. Why don't you tell us what happened in this case? What are the facts? So this case is a little bit different. Um, it's an interlocutory appeal under Article 62 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So you said that you worked in the section at GAD, our government appellate division, that handles 62 bills. Could you give us a nutshell uh, review of what a 62 appeal is? Yeah, it differs from Article 66, which is where courts of criminal appeal ordinarily hear cases. It's after someone's been convicted and they're reviewing it post-conviction. Article 62s happen mid-trial. Um, and this one specifically arose out of Article 62A1A, which is where a judge makes an order basically that puts a close to the case. So here, a dismissal with prejudice. And this is the government that brings these appeals, correct? They do, because it's either done something that's ended the case or kept out an important piece of evidence or something that's really detrimental so they can appeal it at that point. Okay, so this appeal comes up after the dismissal to GAD. What's going on uh, with these facts? So because it's in Article 62, they're actually in the middle of the court-martial that PFC Eric Vargas is, is undergoing. So here he's charged with one specification each of sexual assault and abusive sexual contact for actions allegedly occurring against Specialist H.S., the alleged victim in the case. Um, the, the accused trial began in March of 2022. So prior to seating the panel, both of the sides engaged in pretty extensive pretrial litigation on what kind of evidence could come in um, and just it's settling a bunch of other issues. So on 
on 7 March 2022, the real important Article 39A session for motions happened. And this had to do with evidence that the government sought to do uh, introduce under MRE 404B. So it's just another kind of act that the accused was a, a alleged to have committed that was wrong that they want to bring in to show for some purpose um, to kind of bolster their evidence. So before this, on 4 March of 2022, in preparation for this motions hearing, uh, the Article 39A session, the government met with Specialist HS to, to do a pretrial interview, just kind of know how she would testify and how the facts would come out for that. So during this interview, government counsel and their paralegals were there and took notes. Um, so during the course of them questioning Specialist HS, she, she told a version of events that differed a little bit from the way she would testify during the course of the trial when she was called for direct examination. So for the first time ever, she told government counsel that uh, PFC Vargas, the accused in this case, had called her a beauty queen and kissed her on the forehead three to four times before the alleged sexual assault occurred. And again, first time she's ever said this, didn't say it to CID um, in no other pretrial interview. And fast forward to trial, she's testifying on the stand during direct examination, and the government asks a question that... And just to be clear, so this happens, she gives this... So are we at trial on 8 March, correct? We're in trial 8 March. Um, fast forward to them, she's on, she's on the stand testifying, and she says this in open court. She testifies to this in front of the members to a question that the trial counsel asked that didn't really seek to elicit this, but she kind of just blurted it out at that point and said, he kissed me on the forehead and called me a beauty queen. At that point, the defense counsel objects, asks for another 39A session. So the, the military judge asks the panel members to leave and they take it up outside of their presence. And that's for the first time the defense is like, hey, we've never heard this before. We have no idea where this is coming from. The judge then shifts her attention to the trial counsel and asks, you know, did, did you know about this? And during the course of the judge questioning them, they say they did know about it beforehand. There's some confusion on the exact date when they found this out. At first, they initially report that it happened on the Monday before trial started, so three days before trial, excuse me, two days before trial started, when in reality it happened a, a full five days before trial started. So during the course of further questioning that the defense finally asked for the remedy that they're seeking um, under RCM 701 uh, G3D. And they asked for a dismissal with prejudice, which they jumped to probably what's the most extreme remedy. They asked for the case to stop. Which isn't uncommon for defense counsel, right? Sure. It's in the, the interest of their client to get the case dismissed, especially with prejudice, can't come back. Um, and while we're talking about this, just to kind of hone in on what is actually going on here. So there's this new statement that the alleged victim has never told. And, that, and that's important because now defense, if they know this, they can say, why didn't you tell this to anyone else, right? And so it's a form of impeachment by omission that potentially calls into question the veracity or how much weight or credit the fact finder should give to their testimony. And if this is the alleged victim, the complaining witness, that credibility is pretty important, correct? It's probably the most important issue in a case like this. During opening statements and during the course of the trial, it became pretty clear that Specialist HS's credibility would be the central issue to this case. So having another mode of impeachment absolutely would have been important to the defense. So the military judge then goes into an analysis of what remedy she should take. Um, and, and kind of interestingly, the first thing she does, is she kicks the trial counsel and the assistant trial counsel off the case. She says that you know your presence is no longer needed. The SJA can detail new trial counsel if he chooses to um, and proceeds from there. They take a lunch break at that point. When they come back is when the new two trial counsel assigned to the case really dig into this. The defense again asks for dismissal with prejudice and in the, in the alternative of mistrial. 
the judge takes a few minutes um, and ultimately dismisses the case with prejudice, and that's how we end up here. Okay, awesome. So pretty significant remedy that the judge crafted here, the dismissal with prejudice, and we'll get into that when we talk about CAF's analysis here. A couple things I want to talk about, though. Did the judge make any finding of, like, bad faith that she decided, because she kicked the prosecutors off the case, before she did that, did she decide, hey, these guys were trying to hide this on purpose, they were acting in bad faith? No, actually the opposite. She declines to make a finding of bad faith and instead finds that, that, that they weren't acting in bad faith. Which is kind of significant, right? Because similar, we mentioned the Stilato case, which we'll talk about again. Both cases, the judge said, hey, no bad faith by the prosecutors. And then the analysis, well, what is the remedy we should take knowing that there's no bad faith? And so we're going to get into that. Right. Similar in, in that regard, for sure. So lots to unpack here with the facts and the, and the judge's uh, remedy. Before we get into that, let's just discuss a couple baseline topics. So rule for court-martial, or RCM 701, covers discovery disclosures by the government. Can you talk a little bit about what is a mandatory disclosure? What is it the government should have done here? Yeah, here in particular, RCM 701A6 is going to be in play. So what that mandates is if the government's in possession or, or learns of anything or even like knows of the existence of anything that would be helpful to the defense, they have to turn that over in their disclosures. And here, as you talked about, like the specialist HS's credibility was so central that any inconsistency would have fit under that umbrella and should have been disclosed. Yeah, so 701A6 titled Evidence Favorable to the Accused. Uh, similar to Brady and Giglio requirements, right? Government has to turn that over if it's going to be exculpatory or mitigating in any way. With that said, okay, new statement by the alleged victim, uh, need to turn that over. They don't. What is the remedy for that? What does 701G3D say? So 701G3 in general gives the military judge kind of a plethora of options. I mean, there's a lot that they can do here. So specifically, it provides that when a military judge finds that a party has failed to comply with their discovery obligations, the military judge may take one or more of the following actions. So they can A, order the party to permit discovery, basically give the stuff over that you haven't. B, grant a continuance, so put a pause on the case and say, hey, we'll pick this up later. Um, C, prohibit the party from introducing evidence, calling a witness, or raising a defense not disclosed. So here it would be Specialist HS couldn't testify to that new evidence, potentially. And th the real issue here is D, enter such order as is just under the circumstances. And that's really what, like you said, really what this case is about is those words right there, just under the circumstances. And this is where the Stilato case and the ACA decision, CAF uh, really looks at this and says, hey, the test that was applied by ACA and by the judge actually is the wrong test. Can you talk a little bit about that, where they got that language from and what it says? Sure. So the military judge, um, in, in making her ruling, cited a standard that she was required to, dra to craft the least drastic remedy sufficient to cure the discovery violation. So that language arguably comes from Stilato, arguably in dicta, um, but arguably generates there. So not only does the military judge use that and goes through the different remedies and shows why they're inappropriate to cure the discovery violation, um, ACA in, in analyzing the military judge's decision, ultimately overturning her at that level, says that this wasn't the least drastic remedy, that there were others available to her that she should have utilized instead of the dismissal. And so after the ACA review, the law is kind of the same, right? Like this just wasn't the least restrictive means that she had at her disposal. So she got the question wrong. And CAF actually says, 
Well, even if she got the question wrong, the problem is that she didn't use the right test, correct? Right. So abuse of discretion, you're always looking for, for typically one of those two things, that they either um, applied the wrong law or applied the facts wrong or applied the facts in a patently unreasonable manner. Um, so ACA just said that she applied the facts wrong here and came to the wrong conclusion. Um, CAF, in kind of reshaping what 701G3D means, said that she applied the wrong law. And let's talk about that. What does CAF say the test should be? So they really go with a textualist bent here, and they say it's just just under the circumstances. There's no requirement to draft the least uh, to craft the least drastic remedy sufficient to cure the violation. They go back to the text of 701G3D and say just what's just. Do they give us any type of indication of what they think just is, or how is this different than stellato? Because they don't say that. It- dismissal with prejudice is improper in all circumstances. They kind of get into the weeds a little bit here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's kind of a really fine distinction in what what went wrong here. So instead of just focusing on curing the violation, the CAF is saying you have to cast a broader net here and really look at what's just under the complete picture of the court-martial. So what's just under all the circumstances. I like that language that you said there that was too narrow of a focus because the court specifically said that. And it seems like the CAF, without saying it directly, is is reading into this requirement that just under the circumstances isn't just focused on prejudice to the accused, but it's also everything. So the government has an interest or an equity here. Would you agree with that? No, I think that's right. And I think that their discussion later in the opinion about how drastic dismissal with prejudice is kind of feeds into that. So you have to consider the impact that the remedy is going to have not only on the accused, but on the government's case. So here terminating it um, has a pretty big impact. I mean, the biggest impact you can have from a military judge's yeah, decision. You can't get any bigger right. than just ending the case. Right. So Dustin, with that in mind, with the test articulated, what does CAF ultimately decide here? So because the judge applied the wrong law here, um, in, in their in their opinion, they say that the, this case has to be sent back down. So it's basically remanded back to the trial court for the judge to, to take another crack at it, essentially, um, and craft a remedy that would be just under the circumstances using this real new textualism-based standard, um, looking at the complete picture and not just the least drastic remedy sufficient to cure the violation. So let's take a second with that in mind, because the court doesn't invalidate dismissal with prejudice as a as an alternative, right? And they compare this with Stellato because they are clear to say, hey, Stellato is still good. The judge found some very specific facts in that case that stand out and make it different than this one. Can you talk to that a little bit? Sure. Um, I mean, the whole emphasis in Stellato is kind of interesting here. I mean, first, because like this this phrase didn't come like in a vacuum. I mean, there was language in Stellato that created the confusion there, and the, and the CAF acknowledges it. And I think it's their way of coming back and, and cleaning up the standard and making sure it's just simpler to apply. Um, and second, they, they do compare it to that case. And they really use that as a focal point to talk about when dismissal with prejudice may be an appropriate remedy. I mean, this case and, and that are arguably different. I mean, that will be for, you know, the future iteration of this to decide. But they highlight, for instance, that evidence in Stellato was lost permanently. I mean, they, they talk about how a witness died um, and other evidence that wasn't preserved was just lost forever in time and wasn't able to be used by the accused in that case. Um, they are similar in that there was no bad faith found. But again, they just they seem to talk about degrees of, of violations of RCM 701. Yeah. So in the Stellato case, with the fact that you can't bring that evidence back in court and that once it's been lost, in this case, it's a little different because you have an inconsistent statement 
and that witness is still sitting in the witness chair, right? And you can confront them with that. Right. That will definitely be a consideration in this case when it, when it goes back to the trial court for the, the military judge to decide. So just to be clear, this case is about what test the judge should use at the trial level when crafting a remedy for a discovery violation here. And CAF is pretty clear. My understanding is they should go to 701G3D or G3 and follow the steps there, right? If one is just under the circumstances or two or three, think about that. If not, and then I like this language in the opinion where it says, okay, so you get to the first, get through the first three, and now you're at D, anything else that's just under the circumstances, where CAF says the military judge may impose dismissal with prejudice if, after considering whether less severe alternative remedies are available, she concludes that dismissal with prejudice is just under the circumstances. No, I think that's right. Um, they're not eliminating the need to look back at lesser remedies to ensure whether or not they, they're just under the circumstances. You still go through that test. Um, you, go, you still go through each of those lower ones to make sure that that would satisfy RCM 701G3D. And, he, and then that's only if you get there even. Like A through C could be completely sufficient um, to cure any discovery violation. And I think the other big takeaway from what CAF is saying is the judge shouldn't be solely focused on the harm uh, suffered by the aggrieved party, here the accused, and trying to craft a remedy that's solely trying to get after that and correct that. It's a much broader, you know, what does justice require overall? For sure. It's, it's a much bigger totality test than, than, than that narrow view. Okay, Dustin. So with this in mind, what's, what are any takeaways uh, that we have for the field? Yeah, I think for military judges, this case is kind of abundantly clear what they should be doing, applying this new test. I think there's some greater lessons for trial counsel and defense counsel, though. And the first for trial counsel is the importance of discovery. Um, it's always a good practice whenever you're interviewing a witness just to take note of what's ever different or what's ever new um, and making sure under RCM 701 that you're, you're, you're sending those disclosures to the defense to avoid a situation like this. I think for defense counsel... If you're going to ask for dismissal with prejudice, it's now clear that you need to build that record to, to show that it was just under the circumstances. It's, it's going to be very fact intensive. So if you're asking for this as a defense counsel, I think you need to be able to point to reasons why dismissal with prejudice is, is just under the circumstances. Yeah, if you're not saying just under the circumstances as the defense counsel, you are... Uh, not advocating for your client in, in accordance with what CAF is asking. Right. I think they've given you the, I think CAF here has given defense counsel the, the blueprint um, by highlighting what the test is and showing when this type of remedy may be appropriate. I mean, if you're not citing from this opinion, you're probably wrong. Yeah. And just to circle back on what you said about the disclosures, um, something new, something different should be disclosing. So I guess the question for trial counsel and prosecutors is, well, what systems do we have in place? Who are we inviting to these interviews to take notes so we can identify that early on and avoid these issues at trial. I think that's a great takeaway. Yeah, I think that's that, that's the clear message for government counsel here. Uh, any last words, Dustin, as we wrap up? Uh, no, uh, this is great. Okay, well, welcome to the department. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you further on CAF Chats uh, during your tenure here. And uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in and listening. Make sure you continue to smash that subscribe and follow us for all the important CAF updates and our military justice grab bag. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast. If anything you heard sparked a thought, we'd love to connect with you. Your comments help us create better future content for the field or the fleet. Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. The information can be found in the show notes for today's episode. The views expressed in today's podcast are those of the presenters and not necessarily the Judge Advocate General's or the Department of the Army or the Department of Defense.
Thanks, counsel, for both sides. And the court will stand in recess until further order of the court. Thank you.